0: Well, wonderful. Everybody said? What a wonderful song. The only one who ever calmed a storm. That's wonderful. And we're going to preach about him today. Well, we resume our exposition through 2 Samuel today. I do want to give a little review today, and I hope this will encourage you and... uh, give you insight into the faithfulness of our God. And then next week we will dive into um, this great chapter here in a moment and, and talk about Absalom. Second 1 or, or Samuel 13 is a very important chapter because it's where we are not necessarily introduced to David, but it's where we are introduced to him as a man after God's own heart. We are actually introduced to him in Ruth, but we're introduced to him in 1 Samuel 13 and verse 14 that says, I have sought for me, rejecting Saul, I have sought a man after God's own heart to be king. And indeed, David was a man after God's own heart. Now, but as we closed out chapter 14 and we closed out 13 and those awful chapters of the tragedies in David's life and the sin in David's life and those tragic consequences, it's an amazing to me the response I received from many of you. You would come up and say to me, my heart just breaks for David. And it was almost it was, if it was like something we were seeing right before our eyes. And that's what God's word does. It just, it's, a, it's a living word. And you're like me. My heart was just broken for David. And I thought, how much more heartbreak will he take? And the depths of sin this man went to. I mean, he, he not only committed adultery, but he covered it up with murder. And covered it up with deceit and subtlety. But God knew. How can such a man be called a man after God's own heart? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) And I will tell you, it is because God was pursuing him. And he was pursuing God. And God got a hold of him. David was not perfect. But like every Christian, he was perfectible. And that's the nature of the Christian life. And I pray today you are a person after God's own heart. Because I know God's pursuing you. And I hope you're pursuing God. And so we're going to give a review of David and we're going to do it in a way I hope will encourage you so if you have your Bibles I invite you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 15 the 15th chapter beginning verse 1 of Second Samuel and uh, I appreciate the uh, noise of paper that means you have your Bible or at least have it electronically that's okay too But our text reads like this. And it came to pass after this. And it came to pass after this. This is the first Sunday of 2024. If you're still pondering what you might do in your devotional life for 2024, read your Bible through or focus on a book or two or a section of the Bible, whatever. You do, I hope you do with all your heart and prayerfully, and God will bless you for it. But maybe you're still wondering, what What do I want to do for my devotional life beginning this year? Let me give you a good suggestion. Study the after thises of the Bible. Study the after thises of the Bible. We're, I told uh, my beloved wife who's in children's church today that I'm coining a new word today, and she said, You do that quite often. <laughs> and so after this can be a new phrase, a new word, kind of like every now and again. But study the after this is in the Bible. There are 53 after this in the Bible. That stretch from the book of Genesis all the way to the Revelation, the after thises. You read the after thises after some event, after some preaching from a prophet, it says, after this, and it talks about how people respond. Some of the after thises are after great victories won by the people of God. Sometimes the after thises are uh, after defeats. Sometimes the after thises are when people have stood strong for the Lord and in the power of His might. Sometimes the after thises are after sin in the life of His people. Sometimes the after is are in times of great joy when God has just done something wonderful. Sometimes the after thises come about uh, in response to tragedy and hardship and struggle. Sometimes the after is are simply instruction on how to do things. It says, after this manner, do this, this way. And so the after is would be a wonderful text of Scripture, a, a wonderful theme of the Bible to study. Be a good sermon topic. Take 53 weeks. The after is. And uh, I want to encourage you in that. Because if you live any amount of time, on Earth, you're gonna accrue some after thises. Maybe you've made a bad decision, and you're in an after this. Maybe you're in a. Maybe you made a great decision, and you're sitting back in a wonderful after this. Maybe a hardship has come your way, and you're in the after this. Maybe you've been blessed beyond measure, and you're in the after this. Maybe you've sinned some long ago, and you're still in the after this of consequences. That is where we are in David's life in 2 Samuel 15. He is in the after this of some consequences. Next week, we're going to see where his son Absalom starts a rebellion. Now, folks, if you've ever had teenagers, you might have had strong rebellion, I know you've had some rebellion, but this uh, is awful what David went through. It's going to break your heart what David went through with his boy Absalom. And we're going to begin to deal with his rebellion next week, and I'm going to show you what a rebellious person is like from the Word of God here. But I want to focus on the fact that it, it, it comes after, it comes after some experiences in David's life, just like your after is, and just like my after is. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the big picture of this after this. And I want to show you uh, when the after this comes our way. And really, it is regardless of why you are in this after this. Why you're in this this you're in. It it could be because you made a wise decision. could be you made a foolish decision. It could be because you took a stand for Christ. could be because you fell into sin. Uh, But this is the after this of pretty much everything. And so let's look and see this after this. The big picture of this after this. First of all, after a long time, it is after a long time. This after this is, is preceded by some experiences of a great big picture. A long time has been building up to this after this. This, this rebellion that we're about to see didn't just happen overnight. Absalom didn't wake up one morning and say, Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got some clout now in the nation. I'll be in after this. No, this is a long time coming, but there's some good in this after this. This after this comes after a long time. I'm talking about over a hundred years, perhaps even a hundred and thirty years. This after this comes after a, a long time, all the way back to the time of the judges in Israel's history. And if you read the book of Judges, there was no king in the land and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And the nation, because of that, because of their yielding to sin and the culture uh, that they lived in, went through a vicious cycle at least 14 times round of rebellion against God and then retribution. And then in the retribution they would repent and God would raise up a military leader called a judge, and he would restore them and, and bring them to restoration. And then the cycle would start again, to repeat again and again and again. It was a chaotic and sinful, violent time for Israel. It's very similar to, to what we see playing out before us in our own culture. In our own nation, the violence, the the vitriol, the hatred, the chaos. But during that time, there were some very dedicated, strong, godly servants of Jehovah. Just like in our day, there's some strong, wonderful, godly Christian people who love the Lord with all their hearts. And at that particular time there was one by the name of Boaz. Remember him? And then they had a new convert we're introduced to in the time of the judges named Ruth. And they get married. So there were some godly people who loved the Lord in that experience. They're a godly person. The, the religious life of Israel is, is, folks, frankly, it is in the mire. It's terrible. I mean, abusive and, and greedy and ungodly and immoral. The priests are immoral. It, the, the, the leader, the spiritual leader of a nation is, is a very permissive father who lets his priestly sons run amok. And it's awful. But this woman, Hannah, in a dire situation, a sad situation in her home life, but nonetheless she is a prayer warrior and she starts praying and she says, God, give me a son and I'll give him to the nation. Have you ever thought that, that we need to give our children to the Lord and God will use them for His glory? Well, that was Hannah's thinking. And that's what she prayed. And lo and behold, God gave her a son, and his name was Samuel. And Samuel became a spiritual leader in the nation. And we, we have a book named after him right now. It's named after him. We know, second, we know that Samuel didn't write second Samuel because he was already in heaven by the time of these events, but it's named after him. His influence is all over it. And Samuel is a godly man. He's saved as a young boy. Matter of fact, he's in the, in the uh, tabernacle one night. It, it, it's late at night, and um, God speaks to him. He says, Samuel, Samuel. And he thinks it's Eli the priest, so he gets up and runs to Eli the priest. And Eli says, I hadn't said anything. Go back to bed. And he goes back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. you know, And he runs in there. It's not me. And finally, the old preacher kind of gets... In, you know, the thinking, it says, maybe it's the Lord. And so Samuel, he says, so Samuel, next time you hear your name called, say, here I am, Lord, and let God speak. And that's, I believe, when Samuel was saved. I, he was a young boy. Let me tell you, your kids can be saved when they learn to listen to God. And so Samuel got saved. And so you got you to teach your children how to listen to God. And Samuel got saved and became a spiritual leader. He, became the, he was the last of the judges, and he finished the job Samson should have done. Delivered Israel, It was Camelot years spiritually. It was a wonderful time. And Samuel was called upon the Lord to anoint a king. At first, he anointed Saul. That was man's king. And God said, I'm going to teach the nation some lessons. But then God rejected Saul and said, it's time for my chosen king. Go to the house of Of Jesse and he went to the house of Jesse and all of Jesse's sons these strapping boys came out and all they looked good they were good-looking men I mean you know about five seven slightly bald and just wonderful good-looking men and Samuel said I don't want any one of them and he said well Jesse, do you have any other sons? Well, there's one, but he's he's the youngest. and I doubt very seriously he's your man. Where is he? Well, I got him on the back, back 40 keeping the sheep. Well, go get him. I want to see him. And God said, that's him. And his name was David. His name was David. After a long time, of God answering one woman's prayer. So all of this that we've been reading about in 2 Samuel. All these victories that David's won. All of his taking of Jerusalem from the Jebusites and setting up his kingdom. All of this of the activity of a man after God's own heart comes to us. After one woman's prayer is answered. After godly people lived righteously in an ungodly world, we have a David. Not perfect, but we have a David. Wouldn't you say today we need some Davids? And the way we can get a David is be people of prayer and live godly in this present world. In this ungodly and wicked world, like Ruth and Boaz did. And God will use us and bless it after much, much prayer. We know David is an answer to Hannah's prayer because in 1 Samuel chapter 2, all that wonderful account of Hannah's experience, the Bible says, The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. It's a prophecy. Out of heaven shall he thunder upon them. The Lord shall judge the ends of the earth. And he shall give strength unto his king. And exalt the horn of his anointed. So sometimes you're after this's. Or a result of prayer and faithfulness. And then there's another factor to this after this. After training, after training, after God pointed to David and said to Samuel, "Um, this is him, this is the man after my own heart, this is the king I choose, Uh, Samuel anointed him king. I mean, just poured the oil on him, said, you're going to be Israel's next king. (laughs) David stood up and said, now go back to the sheep. Get back there on the back 40. David said, I thought I was anointed king. Samuel said, oh yeah, God has a plan for you, but he's got to take you through the ringer first. He's got to train you first. He's he's got to prepare you first. God's got a purpose for you. There's an after this, uh, there's an after this, There's there's an after the back 40. There's an after this, but... But you got a whole lot of this before you get to the after this. Amen? And that may be where you are right now. You don't know what God's preparing you for. You're just in the this. And your after this is coming along pretty good. And so you got to be trained in the this. And so... From the time Samuel anointed David in Bethlehem until the time that David was king over all Israel is at least 22 years. Now here's the problem with that number, 22 years. You're not that patient. (laughs) I'm not that patient. But God is patient. He's got to train you. He puts you through some training Time. I can't tell you how many times or events or things or situations come about in my ministry now that remind me of something that happened 30 years ago. And I'm able to handle it now with a little more better than I was 30 years ago. And so God puts you through some training time. What you're going through right now, God's saying, hey, there's an after this. You're in school right now. I'm teaching you something right now. You know, oftentimes I'll tell Cole, I'll say, Cole, what you're experiencing is something they don't teach you in seminary. They, they don't, because they don't, they can't. I said, you're going to walk by your diplomas every now and then and say, teach me something. But I want to tell you what, it's the is that teaches something. So we can have an after this for the glory of God. So David went through three stages of training. And these are very similar to the stages of training you're going to go through for your after this's. First of all, David had some training in the fields in 1 Samuel 16, keeping watch over his father's sheep. Out there when his brothers were all fighting the Philistines, the poor little fellow was back home watching a few sheep on the back 40. Not a lot of glory in that, but there's a lot of education in it. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of sanctification in it. So David had his training in the fields. And I want to tell you what he learned in the fields. First of all, he learned how to praise the Lord in the fields. Isn't it amazing? God teaches us to praise Him before He gives us something to praise Him for. And so David was in the fields. Perhaps it was on one of these starry nights in Bethlehem in the fields that David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. Or maybe it was one of those starry nights when he wrote, Hey, the heavens declare the glory of God. So there's lessons we learn about praise when we're young. Let's teach our children to praise the Lord and give God praise. Second of all David learned in the fields was he learned how to protect. He learned how to protect. This is where he killed a lion. A lion came in to get one of the sheep, and David killed the lion. Probably happened more than once. And then one time a bear came, and and David killed the bear, took the the lamb out of the bear's mouth. This is where David learned how to protect. And so when God said, okay, David, you've been out here, nobody knows who you are. Your daddy's still scratching his head as to how come your older brother wasn't chosen, but you were. We're all still wondering about you. Nobody knows you. Now we're going to graduate you from the field, and we're going to put you in the focus. You're going to another school now, and you're going to learn some lessons in the focus. And you remember there was a man on the Philistine side named Goliath. Remember him? Big Goliath, nine foot tall. Uh, I, just, I just think he was ugly and just big and ugly and, and mean and, and uh, awful. And in the providence of God, Jesse got to wondering about his sons. And so he calls David in and he says, David, I want you to go to the battlefield. David gets a little excited thinking, okay, I'm going to be a soldier now. And uh, then his daddy says, I want you to take this cheese to your brother's. So what he said. Load the donkey up, put the cheese on it, and uh, take, take these gifts to the commanding officer and just find out how they are. Now, if Jesse was any kind of daddy like me, this is what I'd say. Now, David, you have one job, right? Don't go anywhere else. Don't go to the mall. Don't go anywhere else. You go there, deliver the cheese, look at your brothers, ask them how they're doing, come back and tell me, right? Remember that? But in the providence of God, David's out there delivering cheese, and this big giant Goliath comes out and says, I defy the armies of the living God. Send me a man to fight, and we'll end this battle right now. And if he wins, we'll serve you, and if I win, you serve us. Let's just end it right now. Send me a man to fight. And the army runs away. I know David's brothers were glad that he didn't go give Jesse that report. How are your brothers doing? They're cowards. They're chicken. They're hiding under rocks with the rest of them. And David gets angry and says, Who is this guy, this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is he to defy the armies of the living God? And David starts talking, and his brother says, "I. What are you doing? You're, you're just a, a blowhard. I know what you're here for. You want to see the fight. And David says some wonderful words in Scripture. Is there not a cause? Is this not something to stand up against? Is there not someone named Jehovah to stand for? And David says, I'll stand. And they connected him with Saul and You know, David went from strumming harps to slinging stones at giants. And you know the story. After killing Goliath in that miraculous way, I love how David went out he said, You come to me with all your experience and your army and your shield. I just come to you in the name of the Lord. Took him out. If I could ever go back in time, if I had a time machine, that's one place I'd go. And the whole nation was focused on David. He learned two things. He experienced fame, but he learned two lessons. First lesson he learned was about friendship. About friendship. The loyalty of a good friend. He meets one of the best people in the Bible. Somebody I have great admiration for. Named Jonathan. Saul's son. And for the next years, 10 years or so, he's going to be in a... Jonathan's going to be in the middle. He believes God. He, he, he's loyal to the Lord. He knows God's plan that David is to be king. But his father is king. And he is tossed between loyalty to his father. Honoring his father as the Ten Commandments say. And yielding to the will of God for David to be king. Can you imagine being in such a fix? Years ago I had a deacon at my last church. Wonderful man with the Lord now. And when I read of Jonathan, I think of him. He, he had a father who was also a deacon in the church. This was before I got there. And his father committed adultery and got into immorality. And my deacon made the motion to withdraw fellowship from him in the church. Took his stand. And when he would talk about it, I'd ask him, I'd say, Brother, tell me, what, you know, just, he said, it had to be the right thing to do. And he said, the way I was honoring my fathers is I was obeying the Word of God. And that's what Jonathan did. Jonathan was somebody that you can learn some lessons for about wisdom and navigating the, the, the relational issues of life that are so difficult to do. And he was loyal to David, loyal to the Lord, and he did the best for his father in loyalty. And so Jonathan shows us how to honor a parent that is not honorable and how to put God's will first above all relationships. And David learned about the loyalty of Jonathan. Now we're going to see in a couple of weeks, he's going to learn about disloyalty. And we're go- he's going to learn about people who don't stay true to the king. We're going to have a couple of messages. We're going to preach one on, on uh, people who are loyal to the king. How do you know you're loyal to the king? What are your characteristics? That's right here in the text. And then there's some who were not loyal. And we're going to see that. And then David also learned about faithfulness when he was in the focus. See, when you're famous... Not everybody's loyal. Jonathan was. And you got to be faithful. And David was faithful. As Saul grew jealous and jealous. Remember, Saul would hear the ladies' ensemble in Israel sing, Saul has slain his thousands. And I imagine the old boy just grinned from ear to ear. But the next chorus went, and David his ten thousands. And the balloon just... (laughs) And so... David learned about being faithful. Saul got jealous and jealous. David became famous and beloved, and Saul tried to kill David many times. And David had opportunity to slay Saul when he was on the run. Several occasions David could have killed him. He had Abishai, his, his nephew, Joab's brother, with him one night and, and right, had the spear right on Saul's chest. And Abishai said... Let me smite him, and I'll just have to do it one time, David. We're going to see Abishai in the next few chapters. I like that guy. I like that guy. But he's, you know, he had to be pulled back. And David said, No, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm living in the promises of God. I'm going to let God's timing bring this out. David was learning about faithfulness to the Lord. Let God take care of it. Well, it was during that time that David had his third stage and he was a fugitive. He was on the run. 1 Samuel 19 through 30 is about when he's a fugitive. He's running all over the place. His character is shown. He had occasion to kill Saul, but he wouldn't do it. He could have taken the throne many times by, by a coup, like he's about to experience here, and wouldn't do it. He would not raise his hand against God's anointing. He left it to God. He, his character is shown and built. David's character is shaped. He learned many lessons by many mistakes. He, he learned impatience. He, he, he learned about patience. You remember, uh, they were hiding out in the mountains. You remember, and, and it was sheep shearing time, and he had all these people. He had... Hundreds of people with him. And he, he sent off to, to Nabal, remember? And told Nabal, who was a rich rancher in the area, and said, hey, why don't you give us some sheep to eat? And Nabal said, I don't care who you are. There's vagabonds all over the place. I'm not about to feed you. Go back. And they sent word back, and David got mad and said, suit up. Lock and load. Tonight, he's going to die. Remember that? And his wife, Abigail... Heard about it and said, oh, i got to save my husband. And she, she loads up some, some, some goods and some food and some provision and meets David and says, don't do this. My husband is a foolish man. Don't do this. And David said, you're more righteous than I. He learned to be patient and let God handle things. His character was being shaped. We're going to see the after thises of those lessons in chapter 15 and, four and 16. We're going to see... David's character just having been shaped. Now it blossoms and we see some great things about David's character that he learned in this training in the field, in the focus, and as a fugitive. These years, they made David a shepherd king. They made him a sensitive king. And they made him a soldier king. And that's what your training years will do for you. Sometimes, folks, we have to go through some stuff to be softened by the Lord. Sometimes we have to go through some stuff to be strengthened by the Lord. But we always have to go through stuff to be sanctified by the Lord. And so if you're in your training years, God's got something He's preparing you for. And there's an after this. But then we have another, real quickly. This after this after tragedy. Like I said, it was, a, it was amazing to me the number of you who just came up and you were brokenhearted for David. I was too. As we preached through those horrid chapters 11 through 14. We saw the sadness that sin brings. The after this that sin brings. As a matter of fact, there's three major sins of David. Of course, remember his wives... That precipitated all, but there's three major sins of David. We've seen the sin of irreverence where he tried to worship God like the Philistines worshiped God, and God killed a man as a result of it. It was David's problem. And then we also see the sin of immorality. It cost many lives, including Uriah. When we get to chapter 24, we're going to see the sin of independence where David said, I don't need God anymore. He's blessed me, but I can do this on my own. And we're going to see the problems that caused. Every time David sinned, somebody died. The wages of sin is death. And so now this after this comes after the tragedies brought on by David's sin. He was forgiven, but he had the tragedies of consequences. He had his children turn against God's law. One of them raped his sister. Another one murdered that man who raped his sister. One of them is about to rebel. And not only just rebel against David his father, but rebel against David as king. That's part of the after this. David's tragedy came as the consequences of sin. But, but, not all, not all after thises are because of the consequences of sin. Sometimes there's the consequence of doing right. Did you know there's another man in the Bible who went to prison and who suffered greatly because he stood for what was right. His after this was prison and his name was Joseph. Sometimes the after this is because of decisions you've made. Sometimes it's because of decisions other people have made. Sometimes it's because of other people's sins. Sometimes it's because of just the consequences of of providential life. It's just how it played out and, and God's hand is in it. And there's nothing you can do about it. But in every after this, this is what you need to do. Two things you need to do and then we'll be done. One is remember that God is faithful in your this. 2 Samuel 7, God told David, You will forever have a son on the throne of Israel. And God's keeping His word. And He will keep His word. So you've got to look up and realize God is always faithful. Second of all, in your after this, look forward and be faithful to God. Acts 13, 36 says that after David served his generation, he died. Even with those three major sins and all his mistakes and all the consequences, David was still after, a, man's, after a, man, a man after God's own heart and still faithful. So whatever this comes your way in 2024, I hope you see, as you see in David's life, that God is at work training, teaching, preparing, sanctifying you, ministering to you, preparing you, Whatever the case may be, whatever God is up to. And I hope you see that God is faithful before you're this, He's faithful in your this, and He will be faithful after this. And you need to resolve to be faithful before you're this, and be faithful in your this, and be faithful after you're this. Whatever that this may be. Now I want to, show you, I want to share something with you real quick, and then we'll close. I know I've said that about ten times today, but listen to then. There's 53 after this is in the Bible. We talked about that earlier. The first after this is in the context of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham is praying. And he's saying, Lord, if there's just a few righteous folk, will you destroy the city? And God says, I tell you what, I'm going to be gracious and merciful. If there's a few righteous folk, I won't. You read it. He goes down the line. And then he gets the righteous folk out and destroys the city. And it's in the context of sin and a man praying for the lost city, Sodom and Gomorrah their lostness. There's an after this to prayer because Lot came out. Lot got out. And so there's an after this. Now I want to read to you the last after this of the Bible. This is the last after this. I guess you could call this the after all this. All right? Here it is. You ready? Listen to this. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne in their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever, Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes and Whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, you're the one who knows. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in this temple and he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. Neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's a wonderful after this. And it's the Christians after this. It's the believers after this. So whether you're in an after this because of sin, that's the consequences, or because of hardship or because of sorrow, or because of sadness, or because of good decisions, or bad decisions. Whatever this you're in, if you're saved, you'll have this after this. And that's glory. That's God's goal for us. Amen. The after this. Well, before you can have this after this, you got to have a this, and that's the salvation of God through Christ Jesus. you got to have salvation. I hope and pray you're saved. If you're not 100% certain that you died today, friend, your after this is awful. It's called hell and separation from God. But if you would give your life to Jesus today, you can have an after this of glory here and now, living for the Lord, glory in you, you possessing glory. And one day when this life is over with, you can have where glory possesses you in heaven, a marvelous, glorious after this. I pray you've been encouraged today. And I pray you'll make a decision for Christ if you need to today. You come as we stand together. We're going to pray. And I want you to come down the aisle if you have a decision to make. It's time. It's time to do it. If you're thinking about it, that means it's time to do it. It's time to come forward and say, I want to unite with First Baptist. I want to make this my church home. I want to, be, I want to know Christ as Savior. I want to commit my life to Christian service. What decision you have. You make today and God will see to the after this.